probability that one or more team members may be infected by intruder organism. 75%. If intruder organism reaches civilized areas, entire world population infected 27,000 hours from first contact. Welcome to The Thing Minute Podcast, where we discuss John Carpenter's 1982 science fiction horror masterpiece, The Thing, one minute at a time. I'm Harper W. Harris from HarperWHarris.com, and joining me again is... Michelle Ashey from MichelleAshey.com. Nice. <laughs> well, thanks for finishing out the week with me, Michelle. It's been a long... Thanks for having me. All right, so today we're wrapping up this week with uh, minute number 10 of The Thing. Uh, minute number 10 begins with the Norwegian twitching out on the snow, having just been shot by Gary, and ends with the introduction of Clark, who comes and meets our uh, our dog, which our our important dog, the very the cute doggo. That's true, <laughs> cute doggo. So, with the beginning of this minute, we get Gary's reaction after having shot shot the Norwegian and his real kind of badass like Western sheriff kind of move that we talked about yesterday. Well, it almost seems like he walks out of the base kind of expecting people to like applaud him, maybe. It's a real but, weird scene. But then he's also, like, taken aback, because he's the only one who checks, kind of checks on the Norwegian. Like, everyone else runs away. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. I mean, clearly the dude's dead. I mean, he got shot in well, the yeah, face. Yeah, but he did twitch, so you got to make sure. Yeah, <laughs> um, But, yeah, this it really established, you know, you kind of think, if all you've seen is up until minute nine, I guess, Gary seems like he's he's definitely, like, the leader of this pack. He's, like takes control and action like just took out this Norwegian no qualms about it but then he walks out here and he seems I don't know if he's like guilty or feels Confused like too. yeah it's a it's a weird it's a weird choice I'm not entirely sure what is supposed to be um I mean maybe it's just like you know he's been here for a long time and obviously never thought he's going to be shooting anybody in Antarctica maybe it's like yeah. a maybe it's well, like a war thing like he's having PTSD <laughs> kind of flashback or something I don't know but he also keeps his gun on his hip like before like he you could see his holster in this minute it's true. maybe like it's, he's always prepared to shoot somebody maybe it's like a requirement <laughs> and maybe like it's you know i mean this is like a military i guess it's a military outpost military scientist so maybe it is like you know the commanding officer has to have a weapon like in case of mutiny or something i don't know i'm sure somebody is, is about to scream at their iPod to tell me how ridiculous that is or something. <laughs> but we didn't talk, I didn't bring it up yesterday, but I thought this might be a good point to bring up Gary's description in the script. Tell us um, about Gary. <laughs> everybody's got these, these kind of in, funny little interesting one sentence descriptions. So Gary's is, he is 46. He is the station manager. Ex-army officer wears a handgun. So most of that is like very like functional, like, okay, where's a handgun because yeah. he's going to have to shoot somebody in this movie. Not really a character description. Uh, it'd be like, you know, there's a, there's a character who's like a writer in a movie and it's like, oh, he uses a typewriter, carries <laughs> a pen and notebook. Not really like a character thing. But we were talking about how Gary does not seem like he's 46 no, years old. Like just the eyebrows alone. <laughs> he's got some crazy eyebrows. Yeah, I mean, they're pure white too. Like, it looks, maybe he dyed his hair for this movie, but to look younger, which, but it's not working. He looks like he's in his 50s, 60s, maybe like, older. <laughs> I guess early 50s. 
I mean, um, he's still like getting around. He doesn't need help. I mean, this but... would be something that would be very easy to look up, uh, but that's bad podcasting. So um, Gary's played by a guy named Donald Moffat. Um, some other people that were uh, in uh, considered for the role, um, Lee Van Cleef, who obviously was in Escape from New York just before this. There were a couple of people from that movie that were kind of considered to carry over. That would be kind of interesting. That's another very like kind of Western movie role because Lee Van Cleef obviously was in a bunch of Western movies and stuff. Some other people that they considered, uh, Jerry Orbach, Kevin Conway, Richard Mulligan, and Powers Booth, all of who seem like they'd have like much more kind of dramatic screen presence than Gary, and maybe that was maybe the problem is Gary was not intended to be like the main yeah. dude. He just kind of chills out in the background after shooting everybody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, definitely, I think there's definitely a story there behind it. I'm sure him and Donald Moffat and John Carpenter definitely had some conversations, I'm sure, about his character's background and stuff, but I, I think there's definitely some kind of, like, war guilt or something there. It's it's a pretty interesting choice, considering this, like, kind of badass shootout that just happened. Well, you also have to think, like, how did all these guys get here? Like, what was their past that made them think, I'm going to go to Antarctica for the winter and just hang? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, you got to think about the type of person in real life who would who would be like, yeah, I want to go to, like, the most remote place on the planet Earth. With no ladies. And just, yeah, and just live with a bunch of weird weird dudes for, you know, six months or a year or whatever. Yeah, I mean, we talked last week that Kurt Russell said that he always kind of, him and Carpenter always thought that uh, it was unspoken, but that his character was in Vietnam as a, as a helicopter pilot and, and, you know, saw some shit and <laughs> just wanted to get away from the world. And that's why he's in Antarctica, just to make some money and get away. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of interesting. You can you can definitely see that in that character that he's kind of, you know, doesn't really care about anybody but himself, especially at the beginning of the movie. So maybe Gary's got a similar backstory and just, you know, doesn't really get fleshed out as much, I guess. So after we get Gary's kind of weird sauntering out of the out of his office or out of the rec room, we get uh, the rest of the group running over to the fire and uh, putting out, slipping all over the ice and putting yeah. out the fire. <laughs> Which um, also, the helicopter looks so small. Yeah, so obviously... <laughs> like it's not, I don't know, did it melt really fast? <laughs> yeah, it definitely does not look the same as the helicopter we saw that got blown up. It's definitely smaller and weirder. It's, I think it's just some kind of broken hull. It may not even be a helicopter hull that they just brought up to the ice and lit on fire. And then we're like, hey, actors, you guys grab those fire stairs and go put this fire <laughs> out. Like, this is yet another one of those things that... Um, will come up where it's like I there's no way they would have gotten away with letting these actors anywhere near this now. Yeah. Um yeah, these are not stunt men. These are all the real actors running out there and, you know, just stomping out on this, this well, fire that they obviously started with gas or whatever. I wonder if they're like the designated fire brigade of this base too. And that's why it took them so long to get out there. That's, oh, you're talking about the other guys that run out? Yeah. Because yeah. this is the first time we see Three people? Yeah, Three so it's, people? it's Windows, Fuchs, and Nalls all run out um, with fire extinguishers. Um, so, yeah, maybe they're like the, you know, how every office has, like, the fire marshal. Fire safety. Fire safety <laughs> officer. Maybe those guys were elected and they were all just kind of goofing around. So, yeah, it's the first time we see most of them outside of maybe seeing a few of them in the background in the rec room scene. So, 
there is one notable, notably missing uh, character here. I think we're only missing one person now. Um, I'm very disappointed that Wilfred Brimley, a.k.a. Blair, is not in any of my minutes. Yep, I'm very sorry. <laughs> you did not get any Brimley minutes. I want diabetes minutes. <laughs> no diabetes. No, uh, no Quaker Oats. Aww. But uh, so the reason, I mean, it might be like this in the script too, but Blair is not in any of the outdoor scenes in the entire movie. Is it too cold for him? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe he was too busy. I think this was before, like, the Quaker Oats ad, so I don't think he was too busy. Yeah, I don't know. He just, he didn't have any interest in going up there. I don't know <laughs> if it was like he didn't want to or they didn't need him. Maybe they didn't want to pay him to come up there. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, there's only two outdoor scenes and they're uh, with Blair, and they're actually filmed with a double, uh, which we'll see later on. It's kind of funny. But yeah, he's not in any. He so he didn't even go to British Columbia. All of the stuff with Blair was filmed in L.A. on the stage, on the soundstage. That's insane. I kind of yeah. wish Wilford Brimley had a uh, shot the Norwegian or like interacted with them. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it could have been interesting. He does some real. <laughs> I mean, his uh, his shootout scene later in the movie is is definitely pretty interesting. It's pretty <laughs> funny. Uh, so yeah, that might have been a little more interesting than than uh, El Capitan Gary. <laughs> So yeah, Blair's not here, but otherwise we see every other character, including uh, Clark, for the very first time. Um, so very end of this minute, uh, Clark walks out like um, like he missed all of this. I guess yeah. he was like rolling around. Does he around. just sleep all the time? I think or he something? just sleeps in the dog pen and just like rolls around with the dogs. He is a dog. <laughs> yeah, he basically like pretends to be a dog to like become one with them and learn their ways. I don't know. So somehow he missed all this, and uh, and. He's like, oh, hey, a dog. Yeah, the time he's, he's like, oh, shit, I heard some gunshots, but check it out, there's a dog Yeah, there's here. like a fire and <laughs> He has no interest in all that. a dead body right next to him. He's, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's like a corpse like 10 feet from where he's standing. Like, Let me go he's check like, on oh, this man, dog. A dog. So uh, Clark's in the script is described as 24, dog handler, likes it here, good at his job. Because he's like a mountain man who doesn't like people. <laughs> yeah, Clark's a pretty interesting character. He's kind of he's just like this weird loner who you know hangs out with the dogs. And they, but they, he's sensitive. <laughs> he is, I think. He's a pretty Clark is interesting because he starts out as a very sympathetic character, and then obviously as the movie goes on, becomes not a villain, but definitely one of the characters you're the most suspicious. Well, of. Well, his personality doesn't help. Like he's away from all the group like most of the movie it's true. he doesn't hang out with them he's the outsider he's he's like the uh he's like the shy introverted nerd of the group yeah uh, i know I that well <laughs> yeah i mean it's something that probably many of our listeners uh uh, or maybe a little familiar with. Well, it's like when the introverts go to a party and it's only made better if there's a dog or a cat around. Oh, man, yeah. And you, you end up being the guy who hangs around with the dog the yeah, whole night. Yeah, like, oh, sweet, been, a dog. Definitely been, I've been the Clark at many a party, I think. <laughs> um, so Clark is played by uh, Richard, I think it's pronounced Maser, M-A-S-E-R. Um, so there was some kind of interesting stuff uh, that happened with him in that he originally was, um, he had auditioned for the role of the father in Poltergeist um, and didn't get that. But uh, when he didn't get it, Spielberg actually supposedly told him he really wanted him to audition for a role in E.T. But uh, Richard Mazur had already committed to doing the thing and felt like he, he couldn't give that up to go audition for E.T. So you can imagine how disappointed he was when, when this movie e. came out and E.T. <laughs> became like 
this huge instant classic. It was like breaking box office records. People were like lined up out on the streets to see the movie, which is, was had like never happened before. And then his movie came out two weeks later, and like, not only what was, is this? Not only did it <laughs> do very poorly, but you know he wasn't even remotely you know um, the one of the main focuses. He was pretty pretty far down on the cast list of the movie as well. So sounds like he was a little bitter about it, but now obviously given the the place that the thing has in kind of film history, it seems like he's a little bit more okay with uh, the decision that he made. But yeah, that was kind of interesting. He definitely had a chance to be in two other movies that were much more successful in their time than the thing was. Oh, I did not I didn't notice until we watched this just now that when McCready runs over to Bennings, he says, George, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> Which like, who's George? <laughs> who the hell is that? So in, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll definitely have to see if it comes up, uh, any other times in here, but to my knowledge, just, just thinking about it, I can't think of another time when anybody calls somebody by their first name, except yeah. I guess, I guess Gary is his first name, unless it's, something else Blair could be a first name I don't know yeah I mean I think in the script they're all just mentioned by by one name Windows Windows is a nickname obviously but yeah most of them are supposed to be their last names I think McCready's the only one that's given a which is what they usually do on military bases right it's usually last name it is weird that he's like George yeah uh, hey George are you okay (laughs) no I mean I guess we're at the beginning of the movie so you know there's no precedent but what we know is like nobody calls anybody by their first names later in the movie so it seems kind of funny well i also like how everyone just leaves george behind <laughs> well mccready like hands off some liquor for him I'm like okay bye and then uh he's just kind of left there to watch as they extinguish the uh the helicopter yeah this movie uh, this scene it maybe uh really establishes the kind of like you can almost picture all these guys as like like 11 year old boys and they're like oh man a fire oh yeah. we gotta put this fire out Ugh, this dude got shot whoa like, and then one guy's There's like oh man body. there's a dog cool yeah. i love dogs yeah it's very um yeah it's kind of it is kind of funny they're very like boys will be boys i guess yeah. <laughs> another way they just sort of leave him behind but at least they work together as a team true i guess it establishes that they're they're all at least willing to pitch in most of them anyways i think everybody except for gary blair and Clark are, um, so nine out of the 12 people are, are helping put the fire out, I think. So I guess it does establish a little bit of a camaraderie, or at least a sense of that, I guess. It was all just a weird training exercise to test how they would react. Yeah, at the end of this, Gary's like, and time. Yeah, good like, job on this fire safety, y'all. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be pretty interesting. A very, kind of a, like like the office or something. Today, Norwegians <laughs> will save lives. Yeah. <laughs> So I think that's more or less all I had as far as notes on on this minute. I guess uh, I was going to ask just in general, do you have any other like science fiction horror movies kind of like this that that kind of grab you that you really enjoy? Or horror movies in general. What are some of your favorite horror movies? I have so many favorite horror movies. I'm trying to think if there are any that are sci-fi besides like Alien, Aliens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Alien had a big role in this movie getting made because I... Stuart Cohen and some of the other producers had really tried many times to get somebody people involved and to get it started, but not a lot of people had a lot of faith in the movie until Alien came out uh, in '79, and and obviously the people were like, oh, like this could be a big deal, like you could actually make something really cool. I know it's cliche, but The Shining is really like it's probably my favorite horror movie. <laughs> I really like Dead Alive, and I don't know. 
I mean, people listening to this probably know what's up with that. Yeah, <laughs> but, rules. yeah I AKA could watch Brain that Dead. any day of the week. <laughs> that is an awesome movie. And I guess another, uh, you know, I guess it has a little in common with this and that Dead Alive is also a movie that has like insane special, like not as good, like they're, they're ridiculous. But Comedic, over the top Yeah, like craziness. giant puppeted, <laughs> you know, puppeteered monsters. and Like and, with a fisheye lens. So it's like exaggerated and tons and tons of blood like gallons so and gallons much blood and gallons. so i need i guess those two movies are related in that i need lots of blood in my movie true. <laughs> definitely definitely like the bloody giant monster <laughs> stuff going on so it's the end of the week uh here's a kind of last crack of the bat so any last thoughts on the thing just that i love john carpenter and i love the thing and I'm never going to look at my pets the same way ever again. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Our cat is sitting right behind us. And now very creepily <laughs> don't know what's going on in her little head there. The thing head. The last thing I want to do since we're at the end of the week, uh, we didn't do this on the first week because there really wasn't uh, anything to, to mention yet, but we're at the end of the week. So what's our status on, at outpost 31? Who's infected? Who's not? What do, what do you think? The dog is a thing for Clearly. sure. That one we know. The Norwegians could have been infected, but they're dead, so it doesn't matter. But are they? They're dead, but they're not burned yet. True. Right? Do they burn them later? Spoiler. <laughs> I don't know. I think they get burned. I know they it, move them somewhere. Yeah, I think he gets burned eventually. Um, it's like an afterthought. Yeah. Bennings could potentially be infected from the dog lick. Yeah, I think that's a possibility. And then I don't think Clark is at this point. Yeah, I mean he's just pets because it. yeah he just pets. This him. is where you gotta wonder like, do you just have to touch the thing, or do you have to like share some kind of bodily fluid, like this whole kind of like STD uh, metaphor that the movie kind of yeah. promotes, or is it more like it has to like attack you when when nobody's around, kind of thing. So yeah, uh, we don't have a lot of information at this stage. Yeah, so I think the verdict, the dog is a definite thing. Norwegian, maybe, maybe not, but he he has been shot. He's not burned or anything, so if he was already infected, he could still maybe be the thing. Um, and Bennings and Clark are, are maybes, because they've had contact with the dog at least, but not, you know, not like sharing. <laughs> they haven't shared like an intimate moment with the dog. <laughs> <Intimate> <laughs> anything <kisses>. like that. <laughs> so I think that's our status for there. But I think that wraps this uh, this minute and this week up. So, Michelle, thank you again so much for being on the show. I appreciate And it was a long drive to get over here. It was so long, but thanks <laughs> for having me. <laughs> so, and once again, where can people find you? At michelleashy.com or on Instagram at michelleashy, A-S-C-I. <laughs> so definitely check that out. And uh, once again, end of the week, make sure you uh, check out the show on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review if you like the show. Uh, you can follow us on social media at The Thing Minute on Facebook or Twitter. Um, and also, since the end of the week, I uh, should mention, you can always use our Amazon affiliate link uh, by going to thethingminute.com and clicking in the bottom right-hand corner on the Amazon link. Uh, once you click on that, anything you buy from Amazon, uh, our show gets a very small percentage of that. Um, doesn't cost you anything extra, but it helps us out a lot to kind of uh, cover hosting costs and, and things like that. So uh, we really appreciate anybody that does that or, or just, you know, donates to the show as well through the donate button on the site. Helps us keep the lights on here at Outpost 31. So thanks for listening and make sure to come back next week for another episode of The Thing Minute. Thanks for listening. 
If you enjoyed the show, please go to thethingminute.com. There you'll find the show notes with links to anything we talked about on this episode and lots of other resources on The Thing. You can also find us on Twitter at The Thing Minute and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Thing Minute. But most importantly, subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. Check out other podcasts like this at moviesbyminutes.com and be sure to head over to starwarsminute.com to listen to the team that started it all. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Harper signing out. Harper signing out.